0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard SPFL board members write to clubs calling for an end to recrimination and division Three quarters of our players are in favour of reconstruction And the French leagues are cancelled As UEFA calls on countries to reveal their plans by May the 25th I'm Gordon Duncan Joining me in the studio is Gordon Diel And from his living room it's Roger Hanna and there's been plenty of recrimination and division in Scottish football again in the last 48 hours, Gordon. Everyone you speak to seems to want reconstruction. They just can't agree on what reconstruction really looks like, whether it's 14-10-10-10, 14-14-14, or any other that splits down 44 teams or 42 teams. This is peak Scottish football at a time of national emergency. All we want to do is fall out with each other. Yeah, the only thing I think it's changed today, Gordon, is the weather. It's got worse, it started raining. <laughs> Thanks for in. that insight, it's uh, great. Yeah, um, no, I think Roger's right, everyone's round the table now. What way are we going to go? What is the plan? What's the way forward? Then we have to wait two weeks tonight to find out exactly what evidence Rangers have and then we'll take it from there. But a lot of talking points before that. I mean, Roger, so much going on at the moment. You've got reconstruction, you've got this... EGM which will happen Will it result in an independent investigation Where we'll have to wait and find out uh, And of course Announcement today as well uh, That various subgroups have been put together By the Coronavirus Joint Response Group To, to look at ways in which We can try and restart the football At some point So there are various different things All happening at the same time And they're all major issues Yeah and, and listen The last one mentioned there The Joint Response Group Is setting up these different groups to look at a, a, a return to football. Alas Gordon, it looks as if a return to football is still going to be some considerable time away. Uh, more quotes is coming out from the FIFA Chief Medical Officer this afternoon talking about September 1 as perhaps being the earliest we can get back to football. So um, I know the Germans are looking at next month, the Poles are looking at next month, but for every nation it seems positive about a return to football there's one looking at it the other way the Dutch have already abandoned their league there's to be no sport in Holland until September and, and this afternoon of course the French Prime Minister announced the same there will be no sport in France of any kind until September this year and they have cancelled Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 this season. Yeah I mean that's the thing Gordon for all the the accusations that we were rushing into things over the, the past couple of weeks and, and maybe we did that's not me making any judgement on that But we've still not decided what to do with our top flight The Netherlands, Belgium and France Have called it a day So in some people's mind We might well be rushing But but decisions are being made There are other countries that are ahead of, ahead of us on this Yeah but I know financially Gordon You look down south And you get a little bit of hope That you look at Arsenal players back Training other clubs Or getting their uh, teams back Okay it's in small groups And different times And uh, you know it's, it's all legal In the way they're doing it But they've got plenty of money down there Gordon to go and do that They've got plenty of training grounds And whatever they may have to to use It's different in Scotland I just think that there's no no need to rush just now But I said, and I've said for weeks They need to be a cut-off date for me You've got to We've got the 10th of June Now, if we don't get back by the 10th of June Then I'm totally wiped out with it I'm going 100% It's finished But just now, every day you wake up Sometimes a little bit of hope 
And then it's taken mm. away again Well Roger we do have a cut off date of sorts UEFA calling on countries to reveal their plans by May the 25th That's uh, something we can elaborate on a bit later on in the show But ultimately by that date So where are we? We're just four weeks away um, That's when the countries will have to declare themselves to UEFA On whether they want to complete or cancel the seasons yeah, and that date, May the 25th, is only really for the countries who want to continue the seasons and who feel they'll be able to continue the seasons. And if you look at some of the medical advice, we spoke about the, the FIFA Chief Medical Officer there, Gordon. I think by the 25th of May, it will become completely apparent to all these clubs and countries they're not going to be able to complete the season. Even the ones with, with the best of intentions who want to complete the seasons, like the Germans, like the Poles, down south, they're trying to put plans in place to finish the English Premier League because of the, the financial implications of not finishing it. The, the deciding, decisive factor in all of this, Gordon, will be the virus itself. It will be the spread of the virus. It will be the social distancing regulations that governments are putting in place. And by the 25th of May, uh, I think FAs across the continent will just need to put their hands up and say to UEFA, this can't be done. Right, EGM's independent investigations, reconstruction, let's do the whole lot. 0141 951 or at Clyde SSB on Twitter. Now let's kick off with the fact that the SPFL board members have written to clubs calling for an end to recrimination and division. Wishful thinking, I hear you say uh, Now this comes in the back of that announcement last night, Roger That the SPFL has called an EGM uh, It's going to be on the 12th of May After a requisition put forward by Rangers, Hearts and Stranraer Now Rangers, as you all know, have called for an independent inquiry into the ballot um, The vote to end the lower league season uh, We we had a investigation, an investigation I should say, carried out by Deloitte Rangers complained, uh, as did others, that it didn't go far enough It wasn't Carried out with broad enough parameters uh, And Rangers now saying That they will provide evidence Supporting their stance Well in advance Of that meeting On the 12th of May uh, So before we, we delve into the details Of the, the letter Just your your quick reaction to that It came quite late on last night's show Yeah, and well listen Rangers who are supported By Hearts and Sundaranas Are perfectly within their rights To call for an EGM and call for a second independent investigation. If any clubs in the league feel that the scope of the initial Deloitte investigation was too narrow, and, and personally, Gordon, I can see where they're coming from in that. If they feel it's too narrow, they are obliged and they're perfectly within their rights to go for a second one. What Rangers will need to do now, though, is show the clubs, the rest of the clubs, this evidence that they have. Even Anne Budge, who backed the members' resolution to the SPFL, even she has said she hasn't seen the evidence so far. I've no reason to disbelieve Rangers whatsoever, um, but they're going to have to show the clubs between now and the 12th of May, as Dan says, fortnight today, the detail of this evidence, because of the remaining 39 clubs, they need 29 of them to support the call for this second independent investigation. So these clubs will need a bit of convincing, if you ask me, to support Rangers and Harsons and Rar in this um, if they are convinced, there will be a second independent investigation. It will need to be on the remit. The Rangers called for it at the tail end of last week. This is a seven-pronged investigation to look right the way through this voting row that's been going on over the last few weeks in Scottish football. But the letter, the open letter today from the SPFL board to all 42 clubs is basically pleading with Rangers and Hearts and Stranraer that if the vote goes against them on the 12th of May, they have to let this lie. 
Yeah, for anyone who thought that Okay, we've got our date It's going to be the 12th of May And that'll be it'll go away for a couple of weeks And we'll revisit it then Well, you would be wrong Because less than a day later As Roger says The SPFL board have written to member clubs And even that even that letter has, has caused Arguments and controversy and debate If you go to our Twitter feed at Clyde SSB You, you can see details of the full letter I'll just pick out the main uh, sort of points it, it starts off as SPFL directors We've volunteered our time freely Difficult and challenging circumstances Etc, uh, etc et We've put our own self-interest behind us um, It goes on to say Has everything been done perfectly? And has it always been fully communicated? Of course it's not And this is a point we've already raised To ensure the organisation is future-proofed For subsequent boards after we stand down So an acknowledgement there of mistakes But the message goes on to say We are unaware of any impropriety Or any disregard for appropriate qualities Of corporate governance if Rangers has a dossier of evidence which shows anything to the contrary, they call on them to bring it forward immediately. Um, we've got a clear duty to interrogate any allegations of misconduct or the like which it contains. Um, it goes on even further. Again, I will miss some out for you. References the fact that you know thousands of people are dying at the moment. The directors warned executives' time would be spent on matters other than sorting this season next and next well clubs money would be spent on legal fees if enough clubs back the proposal but if the resolution fails to gain the support of enough members and the requisitioners nonetheless continue in their current course the cost to our game will be incalculable now Roger people on the SPFL's side if you like people who don't think we require an independent investigation will shrug their shoulders and say well that's true it will cost a lot of money and we do have other important things to be cracking on with but if you sit on the opposing side to that, you'll say, hold on a minute, this sounds awfully loaded and threatening for an organisation who are trying to convince everyone that they haven't been loaded and threatening in their previous arguments. Yes, and I, I know what you mean. And I found the the use of the language in the statement this afternoon very, very interesting. Um, it was signed by six members of the SPFL board, um, the seventh member is Stuart Robertson, the managing director of Rangers, who for obvious reasons wasn't putting his name to it. Um, uh, it was one of those statements which is great for the broadcasters like ourselves, great for the newspapers, like the band newspaper at the Scottish Sun. Um, it gives us loads more to chew over. Um, I just found the timing of it interesting and the language of it interesting because you would expect, this is the kind of chat you would expect behind closed doors between clubs, not necessarily as this always brought into the public domain, but clearly the six SPFL board members who have put their name to this have reached what you might describe as their wits end over this row. We're living in times of national emergency, um, the SPFL themselves have had to furlough staff, they've had to cut costs and they're trying desperately to sort something out for the benefit of all 42 clubs. They're clearly now irritated and irked by the way that this issue is not going to go away. They have agreed to the EGM and the proposal for a potential second independent investigation and they're laying it on the line publicly that if they win the day on May the 12th, they want a line drawn under this for all time. William is first up tonight. William's a Rangers fan from Stevenson. How are you, William? Fine, uh, Gordon. Good uh, stuff. What's on your all, mind? I'd like to thank, yeah, first of all, I'd like to thank the NHA staff and all the care workers for the brilliant work they're doing up and down the country. Yeah, so well, like done. well said, out. William. Yeah, it's about the the evidence Rangers hold and this uh, new investigation they want, right? 
Well, I think they should definitely have it because uh, it's been an absolute mess. And the reason, the main reason I've been phoning up, I've tried on for weeks, is there was a quote in the in the Rangers thing about a couple of weeks ago. They didn't want to release the evidence because of certain members who were sitting on the board, namely Murdo McLennan. And it's been, it's been on it's been on my go for for weeks. Why should Rangers release any evidence to a man who has publicly slated Rangers? He's three quotes, Gordon. Right, the third one I can't I can't even say because it's it's too rude to even put on the air. First of all, he says he hates Rangers. Second, he says he loathes Rangers, and that's what Douglas Park saying. He can't release any evidence at the moment because this certain man. Is sitting on the board. I'd like to get Rogers taking that. How this man is not coming out and defending himself. He's not. Good. He's not even once come out and said anything about it. You know what I mean? That's how Douglas Park is refusing to let any evidence go. He said that he's going to release it once this if they get their their vote through. I just want to get Rogers take on 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 this hmm. particularly. Well, yeah. Well, firstly, he's they're going to have to release it because they're going to have to convince clubs that there's something worth voting for. Uh, what about William's other point, Roger? Well, listen, if Rangers have something and they don't want to release it publicly at the minute, then that is Rangers' prerogative. Um, as you say, I think they'll have to release it. Maybe it's going to be May the 11th, you know, 24 hours before the meeting. They'll show the other 39 clubs what they've got in terms of evidence of any impropriety, any wrongdoing, anything suspicious, anything sinister that they think may have happened before and during the SPFL vote of the 42 clubs that, that famous Friday afternoon, Gordon. But Williams Day, at the minute, they don't need to do anything. Um, they have had the support of Hearts and Strunrar in this members' resolution. They have got the EGM that they need to take it to the next step, and they will now use the evidence that they say they have to try and convince sufficient clubs to push through for the second independent investigation. Uh, yeah, I mean, William, I'm, I'm curious... I want to find out a bit more about your, your 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 strength of feeling on it. You said something along the lines of, you know, in your opinion, they need to have an independent investigation um, because it's been a mess. But you've you've not seen Rangers' evidence, and none of us have. So, how can you be so sure that it's something of a you know a, a particularly sinister? You know, it'd help if I could spit my words out, Gordon. I'm really making it, making a mess of this. Um, but William, how can you be so sure that it's something that needs investigated rather than a series of mistakes, shall we say? Well, Rangers keep coming out in, uh, in the papers and all the news outlets saying they've definitely got this evidence, Gordon. So they, they must, they definitely mm. must have something because they're not going to publicly slate them. Say, mm. They can't, they can't know how this evidence. Right, and seeing the bingo the evidence in the Saddam Squib say, right? I just don't see I just don't see that being the case. They must definitely have something. Yeah, and I, I can I can see that logic as well. Roger, you know, it's almost like why would you keep doubling down on this if it's all gonna come out in the end? I can totally see that logic that the the statement that the SPFL or the letter that they published today, um, talking about, you know, have mistakes been made Yes, you know, it's not been done perfectly It's not always been fully communicated So there is an acknowledgement there that something's gone wrong But what the allegation would be Is that that something is not, not an innocent mistake, ultimately Well, Rangers have already called for The immediate suspension of the SPFL Chief Executive Neil Doncaster And the lawyer Rod McKenzie So they must believe that the evidence they have Is sufficient to prompt such serious moves 
as to as to suspend two of the the leading figures within the SPFL. Um, one of three things is going to happen now, Gordon. When Rangers present this evidence privately to the clubs prior to the meeting on May the twelfth, um, the evidence is going to be so explosive that other clubs back them, and there will be a second independent investigation. Um, the evidence um, is not going to be explosive, and other clubs aren't sufficiently impressed and don't back the call for a second independent investigation. Or the third thing that could happen is, really, the evidence doesn't amount to very much at all, and, and Rangers are left with egg in their face. But the, the way Rangers have pushed and pushed and pushed at this, you, it would lead you to believe that the evidence they have, they believe to be worthy of a second independent investigation, and they believe could lead to major changes in the hierarchy of the SPFL. You have to imagine that Roger Wright, Gordon, and that Rangers clearly believe that it's... Because it's going to have to be strong, is it not? 32 of the 42 member clubs are going to have to vote for this. So at the moment, Rangers, Hearts and Stranraer are, are three, you, you would imagine. Um, but that seems like there's, there's quite a lot of convincing to be done. Of course there's a lot of convincing to be done, Gordon, but I'm with William and Roger as well. I'd be amazed if it's not a strong argument they've got, good evidence. They've got to have, they wouldn't push it as, as far as this, and you rightly said they've got to get the vote through as well. And if they've not, if they've got weak evidence there that's, you know, just a case of saying, no, it's not good enough, it's not strong enough, then they're going to look really, really silly, Gordon. So I would be surprised by two weeks' time that there's a lot of clubs not on their side because they must have something really there that is going to persuade clubs to vote for them. But at the same time, Roger, um, a lot of clubs did vote for this resolution to pass in the first place. The, the decision to call the lower leagues with the potential for the top flight to fall into line thereafter. Um, so it depends on on the strength of it because, like we said, it, it seems like there are a number of votes that would still have to be won. Yeah, well, if you remember, 81% of the clubs in the SPFL voted for the lower leagues to be called and for the SPFL board to be given the powers to call the Premiership as and when they see fit. Um, a lot of the people I've spoken to in the last week or two are talking about the silent majority. You know, you hear a lot of people, um, the, the likes of Hearts, the likes of Partick Thistle, the likes of Stranraer are inevitably complaining about what's happened. The likes of Inverness, Cali Thistle and Falkirk who have been denied the chance of promotion because the lower leagues were called. You, you hear them. But People talk to me about this silent majority, the other clubs, the rump of the SPFL, if you like, who wanted the SPFL lower league season called so they could get life-saving checks from Hamden um, because they were suffering severe financial problems in the grip of this coronavirus crisis. And they wonder how this silent majority might react to the evidence that is going to be shown to them by Rangers and also react to these league reconstruction talks because for everyone who wants a 14-14-14, for everyone who wants a 14-10-10-10, I'm told there are a lot of clubs who would be quite content with a status quo of 12-10-10-10 because prior to the coronavirus crisis and lockdown in this country, I don't remember too many people complaining about the, the structure of Scottish football. In fact, a lot of people believe the 12-10-10-10 was the best structure Scottish football had ever struck upon. Thanks to William for kicking us off. Ideal time for you to get in touch. 0141 951 1025 and it could be you after the travel with Stephen.
Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com. Roger Hanna and Gordon DL here to take your calls on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We are on Twitter as well uh, at Clyde SSB. Let's go straight back to the phones though and speak to Mark in Ibrox. Hi, Mark. Hi, how you doing? You all right? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I was really just wanting to kind of comment about um, the whole row with Rangers and the SPFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just concerned that maybe there's some clubs in Scottish football that are more concerned with um, their own affairs than what they are with the, the good of Scottish football itself. Um, I think there's a bit of time being wasted. Uh, it's going to be another two weeks before we actually get any clarity uh, on what evidence Rangers have got. And I think there's some clubs in Scotland that maybe actually might not survive two or three weeks if we don't actually start to kind of look after the overall health of the game up here. Um, I'm just wondering what the panel thought of that. Yeah, this is this is the reality, Roger. Um, we, we might not have a full set of 42 clubs that survive this, but at the same time, if you're on Rangers' side of this um, and, and you feel that you know you want to push for this independent investigation, they feel that that gun being held to the heads with regard finances is wrong, and, and that's where this whole thing started. Well, it's, it's an interesting point Mark makes. He used the phrase there: he's you know the clubs more concerned with their own affairs than they are with the general betterment of Scottish football. Um, I'll name forty-two of them for you just now, Mark, mm-hmm. because that is what Scottish football is about. It's whether we like it or not, it's about money. And it's about self-interest. The 42 clubs in the league are essentially 42 businesses. Um, so they all have to look after their own affairs first and foremost. Um, the only ones really interested in the betterment of Scottish football are the SPFL and the SFA, who are the two governing bodies at Hamden. Um, you know, I'm saying that I don't say it's a bad thing that clubs are more interested in their own affairs. I think it's an inevitability that clubs as businesses have to look after themselves first and foremost. Um, Rangers, part of looking after themselves first and foremost, um, is pushing for this inquiry because they think there has been wrongdoing at the heart of the game. Um, whether or not they feel that they have been wronged as a club or whether they feel other clubs have been wronged, we'll find out in the in the fullness of time. A couple of weeks down the line is all we're going to have to wait on. Um, it is, you're right, it is a distraction that Scottish football in this time of crisis probably doesn't need. We should all in an ideal world, be looking at how we're going to emerge for this, how and when Scottish football could come back, and which state Scottish football will be in when we come back. It's a valid point you make about will all 42 clubs still be about. I think that was really important that the lower leagues were called so the prize money could be handed out, and those clubs would be in a better financial state to survive the impact of coronavirus. Um, If they can get through a few more weeks, and I think those checks from Hamden will help them get through the next few weeks, then player contracts will expire, they won't have the same burden of paying players, playing staff over the summer months, and they can recruit again for whenever the season kicks off, be it August, be it September, be it October, or or whenever. Um, It is a distraction just now, but enough of the clubs believe it's a serious enough issue that it has to be tackled even in this time when, when you know they would prefer to be looking in another direction. Yeah, I do agree, Roger. I think all clubs are looking after themselves, and rightly so. 
uh, in difficult times because there are clubs out there just desperate to survive this and uh, they've got their best interests at heart and, and uh, I've not got a problem with that but if a red flag gets uh, shown there with Rangers and their evidence and I don't know what it is I don't know how strong it is or whatever it may be we'll find out in, in later weeks but as a club you've got to sit and take notice take it on board and then decide if it's strong enough that you want to go along with Rangers and vote in this process Here's the difficulty though Mark because can both be true at the same time I think obviously we could do without the infighting obviously we could do without the expense because that's the other thing if this process is going to cost money at a time when we don't have money so in an ideal world we could do without it but we're not in an ideal world and Rangers backed by Hearts and backed by Stranraer genuinely feel that there are things that they need to get to the bottom of so can you really just push those to one side purely because there are other difficult things going on? I don't know. I think it's. I think it is difficult um, when we, the general public, have got no idea. So basically, yeah. we're waiting for something positive to happen, but yet we still need to wait another fortnight to find out what these accusations are, what the ramifications of those accusations are going to be, and it, you can only see maybe another two or three weeks of maybe bickering and fighting before we actually get back to the real point of the story, which is. How can we best support one another to to go forward and, and make Scottish football better? I don't think I don't think we can come to uh, moving on until we come to an end of this, Gordon. We've got to get this sorted out. I said it well, last night, though. I, I still still feel like that. Even that's ambitious because whatever way this goes, whoever doesn't come down on the right side of it isn't going to take it lying down, are they? No, they're not. But then, for the sake of Scottish football, <laughs> that, you've got to in two weeks' time. I totally agree with that letter come out there, SPFL. If Rangers haven't got strong enough evidence. And people don't back them Then we have to draw a line under it Gordon. There are more important things going on In football Clubs to try and survive Than keep bickering Keep fighting against each other Now if they have got enough evidence It's only right That we know what the wrongdoings mm. Have been going on And get to the bottom of that And then sort that out But to move forward We've got to get rid of this problem first Okay well thank you to Mark and Ibrooks. Let's move on quickly And speak to Tommy and Greenock Hi Tommy Oh Tommy quick you're on How you doing? Hi Good How uh, are you? I've obviously listened to your programme for years um, And what I've gathered to listen to when, you come, when it comes to the SPFL When they have any sort of vote Everything seems to be heavily weighted in their favour I mean you've got to get a huge percentage To get even ending on the table Of the teams to come behind you uh, you can change a no vote to a yes, you can change a yes vote to a no. They released the who voted where before all the votes were in. I've never heard them that in my life. I've been mm-hmm. a union man for years. So, and we go into meetings, somebody puts a proposal up, you ask the body to hold, is there any counter proposals? If there is, you have a vote on them all, and then you don't just say, oh no, you can't do that one up. We don't like that, we're, we're not really keen on that. Uh, it doesn't suit their lawyers, you know. It, it, I've never heard anything so shambolic and one sided in all my life. Yeah, and Roger, that's that's ultimately Rangers' argument in a nutshell. Part of it, you you mentioned the seven points that they raised over the weekend. People want to get to the bottom of why was an incomplete result released. That that's one of the unanswered questions. Um, but but again, we're, we're sort of back to, to square one because if it transpires that that was just quite simply a daft thing to do on on. The part of the SPFL Is that enough to, to rip things up And to, to get people removed from the board I don't know There's clearly an underlying accusation here That it's all been manufactured For a more sinister purpose 
Yeah, and listen, there are loads of questions, you know, seven in fact, that Rangers want answered. Um, I think Rangers have suspicions over the way that Friday panned out. Why, as you say, was an incomplete result announced? If you're in a general election, and I know it's a completely different thing, Gordon, but they wait till all the votes are counted before they tell you who the Prime Minister is. So I think there was an expectation from some clubs that they would wait until all 42 votes were in and announce it then. Um, as John Nelms at Dundee has himself admitted, when Dundee's vote disappeared, and that's something that, you know, a second independent investigation would look at as well, the A, how this happened, and B, the time frame for it all, but it became apparent that Dundee's vote was an extremely important vote, and John Nelms took three or four days afterwards to decide how he was going to cast that vote. He was a subject of lobbying on either side of the debate. I have no problem with that. I'm sure there was lobbying going on before the vote. But this was specific lobbying of John Nelms and Dundee after it became apparent just how significant their vote was going to be. So I think Rangers and Hearts and Stranraer would like a lot of points clarified over mm -hmm. the build-up to that 5pm deadline the publication of an incomplete vote and the lobbying that was done of John Nelms and others both before and after that five o'clock deadline. And listen, a second independent investigation could find the same as the first one did by Deloitte. But Rangers, Hearts and Stranraer believe it's worthwhile to have a second independent investigation, one with a wider scope than the Deloitte one of last week. And they hope now to convince enough of their fellow clubs to back them. Tommy? I was going to say, just, just like a few weeks your panel said, so you reveal who's voted what. The thing is, the pressure that puts on the guys who are done what guys told them, saying, if you don't vote for us, you're going bust. You know what I mean? It's like, I got in your head. How can that be right? Mm. You know, you just, just can't do stuff like that. It's just never heard it in my life. Telling people what, what the vote is up to now, and your vote's the, your vote's the, the, the casting vote, so you're going to send 42 clubs doing the thing, well, are you going to save them give them a bit of money? And then find out if they could go out the money in the first place without the ball going ahead. The only thing you can say to that, Gordon, is we don't know, we're not privileged to the conversations that went on with Dundee and uh, obviously the board of the SPFL. Um, but um, it has been a shambles. The voting has been an absolute disgrace the way it was handled. There's no doubt mistakes were made. And I think that's what's upset Rangers. And that's what the fact is that they're not happy with the first investigation. They want more. Uh, and if there's wrongdoing in there, it has to be brought to the surface. It's as simple as that. But I'm a great believer that if they don't get it in two weeks' time, for the sake and the good of Scottish football, we have to move on. Uh, good luck with that, Roger, would be my automatic response. <laughs> well, I think it was uh, was it the previous caller, Mark, who said that, you know in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully there'll be an end to this bickering. Um, there'll only be an end to the bickering on this issue. We've plenty more issues we can bicker about all summer long, and even you know regardless what way this vote goes at the EGM on the twelfth, we might bicker a bit more about the voting around. We might not bicker some more, but there's plenty of things. Reconstruction being the next one down the road that plenty of teams are already starting bickering about. 
0141 That's the number you need to have your say We're also on Twitter At Clyde SSB And as Roger quite rightly says We've got a few different topics all intertwined here It's all well and good focusing on an independent investigation But that's mixed in with, with reconstruction And how we get football back We'll look at reconstruction next Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years Talk to Thompson's.com Roger Hanna and Gordon DL here with me, Gordon Duncan On tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard uh, Another Development in the reconstruction debate today Has come in the form of the players Because ultimately the, the clubs will have to vote And I'd love to think there's going to be an avenue For fans to provide feedback and have their say uh, But what about the players? Well they've been asked today And it seems like a perfect time to bring on the head of PFA Scotland Fraser Wishart who joins us on the line How are you Fraser? Evening Gordon, how are you? Not too bad at all Fraser What did your survey find? Well, I think first of all, the reason for the survey gone was that uh, you know a working group was put together by the SPFL, and we, we had a, a chat. We've got a management committee of, of players that kind of run the union. We had a chat about it, and we thought, well, maybe we should try and get on that group just to put forward players' views. But when you get 15 on it, we kind of thought, you know, if you go on one of 16, you're a kind of lone voice. So we went down the route of having this this survey uh, with with the players, and there been a huge response. I mean, a really huge response, and very quick over a couple of days. And, and the players just want to have their, their view. So basically, uh, the, the questions that were asked were fairly straightforward, and they want reconstruction, they want it to be permanent, and they want it now. And the majority, I think 60-40, would like a 14-14-14 league rather than 14 and 3 tens. But uh, I think that the clear um, indication and the clear message from the players is that mm. they, they would like it done, they like it done now, and like it to be permanent. So that's... That's what we've done. We've put that to the working group and fed it in, which I think has been welcomed. And it'll be interesting to see what they make of, of, of the players' views. Yeah, 76% want league reconstruction. Um, the same amount want it to be permanent. And 60% of those wanted it to be 14-14-14, uh, with 40% wanting the 14-10-10-10. Uh, now, Fraser, all we've been surrounded by in the last few weeks is people queuing up to tell us that Scottish football is all about self-interest and the clubs will vote on whatever suits them best. So uh, how would you respond to the sort of cynical view that the player's opinion won't really be taken into account? Well, I think players should be taken into account and we can only just put that forward. If they don't take it into account, then I don't think that the working group would be doing, be doing, itself, a, sorry, would be doing itself a disservice because it has to come to solutions for our game and there's so much swelling around, as you say, um, people voting out of self-interest, which I understand that players... We're looking at the situation, and uh, you know they're looking at their jobs, which which you could argue is self-interest, but it's quite a good self-interest looking at their jobs and looking at the game. And I think in many cases they they they, they just feel it's time for change as well. And if you if you think some of the reasons that we've had, because on the, this online survey we gave players the option to to give a reason, and they did really participate. Many were saying it was just through you know they wanted a change, were a bit bored with playing the same teams. Others were talking about about jobs, and, and others were talking about the fact that when you put two clubs up to the Premiership, for example, there's two more teams who are able to get income from crowds from the bigger the bigger teams. And even if you're in a League One situation and you're you're put into a 14 team Championship, then you're playing against Dundee and Fermanagh and Morton, Partick Thistle at the moment as well. So there's a there's a greater spread of the of the revenue as as, as well. But uh, it's down to the working group. You know, there's plenty of them on it. Whether they'll come to a conclusion or not is remains to be seen. But it's up to them to come up with options, and and I think that you can't come to, uh, to a proper decision if you don't take into account 
the, the players' views and I would say supporters and managers as well but I don't represent them I represent the players and that's what I wanted to do was, was make sure they were aware of the players' views Yeah Fraser uh, Daz here that's what I was going to ask you I was going to ask you what, what the players were thinking why they wanted to have the leagues bigger you said there a minute ago that some players felt a bit you know stale maybe playing against the same teams uh, so often but surely they must have the the opinion that up until now the, the the 12 top league has worked and the splits worked and you know the championship's been exciting and, and league one and the teams that are coming through mm. and it's very interesting now you say that players all of a sudden are thinking well we're fed up playing you know the same teams but yeah, surely well, the quality's better Fraser we're smaller and that's why we went to a 12 well I'm, I'm a fan of the split and I've said that in the, in the show very often and the split would still be there Gordon mm. as with a split in the championship as well so you would have you know, promotion and relegation would, would be still the same way um, or relegation from the, the, the premiership in a similar way where there is a split and you've still got the top seven and bottom seven or even if it's six and eight and you have the same in the championship so all of a sudden you know, towards the end of the championship you get the top six teams playing for a couple of promotion places so, so uh, I mean, it would certainly, certainly stir things up but I, I think also you know, we're in a situation gone where we just don't know where football is going to be. You know, we don't know where, where where the league's going to be. We don't know if we're going to be playing behind closed doors if at all comes August, September. It's really, really uncertain. And, and I think the players are conscious of jobs and conscious of finance for clubs and trying to get a spread of that finance uh, that when we have the crowds coming back and football re-hits, restarts, sorry, then, then we're able to spread that, that, that finance around. But um, it's a pretty strong message. You know, my, my job is to, to go to the players, to, to pose a question and then to report that to those who make the decisions and that's what we've done today. Fraser, it's Roger. I was just going to ask, if you go, if you go to a 14-14-14, is there a belief among the players then that the spread of finance within the game is going to be better and there are going to be more job opportunities, if you like, for football players right through from the top of the Premiership down to what would be the bottom of a, of a new third tier, if you like? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of reasons for, for it, uh, uh, Roger. And I think, as I said earlier, if you've got two more teams in the Premiership, then, then they've got the, two more teams with the opportunity of playing against the bigger clubs, you know, and I think that's one, one reason as well. And I said before as well, that if, if you've got teams in the championship, um, sorry, the League One, they would go up to a 14-team championship. I, I think it's all about just a bit more competition, um, playing against bigger bigger clubs. You've got 28 in the top two divisions as well, so, so there is a, a chance for clubs to get, as I said earlier, you know, Dundee and Dunfermline and Partick Thistle and teams like that as well in the, the current championship as well, you know, so... There's a multitude of reasons, but um, you know I think the, the the main headlines are that players would like it and they'd like it now, and they like it to be permanent rather than just thinking around the edges. And sometimes when you're in a, in a position like we are just now with so much uncertainty and, a, and you know and, and, a, and a decision that there's no no answer that's not going to uh, harm somebody to what happens with the, the league structure and promotion, relegation, and championships. Then I think they feel this is a good way of of getting income spread and also bringing a bit more stability to their jobs. What we are seeing, though, Roger. Um, oh, sorry, on you go, Roger. Sorry, I was just going to say I was going to ask Fraser Andas. There hasn't been a top flight in Scotland with more than 12 teams since 1975 when, when the old two divisions became three divisions. So when you two guys were playing, you were either playing in a top league of 10 or a top league of 12. What, what was your preference? What was the sort of difference from a player's point of view between, as Daz says, you know, 
a, an elite 10 and a slightly watered-down 12, and what would be the difference now to an even more watered-down 14? Well, I certainly, when I was playing in the, in the late 80s, when we, when we first went to a 12-team league, Roger, we, we played four times. 44 league games you know and so for the the top players were playing lots of cup ties when I was at Motherwell we played cup ties on top of that and I think I played something like you know 54 games in, in, in one season which nowadays when you're looking at top players doesn't seem much but it was a lot in those days and you can imagine on top of that guys who are playing international and European football there was a lot of league football and it's just not possible to go into that anymore we just can't do that there's so much international football there's so much European football that wasn't there at that time as well so we really have to look at having that split as well and that's why I'm a fan of the split I've always said that I think it brings competition at the tail end of the season at both ends where it doesn't matter whether you're going for the European place or the title or relegation you've got a chance of winning lots of games because you're playing teams around you so I do like that element and the 14 teams does give that I know some people talk about 16 and 18 you don't get that you know you, 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 that's probably with 16 teams there's just not enough uh, enough uh, games for, for clubs because there's only 30 games and 15 home games as well so um, it's, not, it's not easy I don't think there's one answer that everybody can be definitive on but I saw Billy Bowie on today sort of saying yeah yeah well listen we'd love to support that we're not 100% convinced it's not ideal but I think people have to compromise in some way to find a way through this, this, awful, this awful virus and the situation we're in yeah, Fraser, I can totally understand. I think, obviously, there's times that you've got to go with the change, but m my personal view on it is I like the system we've got. I like the 12. I think that our league's been exciting. I've watched a lot of terrific games. Uh, I'm with Fraser, and we can still have the split. Yeah, I agree with that. Other clubs might look at another two clubs in there and obviously a better chance of staying in the league with a bigger league of 14, not getting relegated. But I just think that just now... Uh, Unfortunately we're going through this horrific time We would not be discussing mm. The quality of our game uh, Roger, the so the players seem to like it The League 2 clubs clearly like it But there are various others That don't And I noticed Clyde amongst others coming out And, and saying today they, they are not for it at all There's clearly a concern over um, the, the pyramid Because at the moment Cove and Oh, sorry, Cove had previously come through that pyramid um, But Kelty and Brora As things stand at the moment Would just all of a sudden be ignored so there are various concerns regarding the 14-14-14 Yeah and if I had my crystal ball out this evening Gordon and was going to predict what might happen at the end of this the, the work of the reconstruction task force I think they'll find it very difficult to come up with something that will win enough votes to be carried now you need to remember it needs 11 of the 12 premiership teams to back it you need 75% of championship teams and 75% of the teams in League 1 and League 2. And while the League 2 clubs have already said they want the 14-14-14, you know, today Clyde, I believe there are others in League 1 who are against it. Um, we haven't really, I say we, the task force, I should say, haven't discussed yet the detail of whether their preferred option is going to be a permanent solution or a temporary solution. As Fraser said, Billy Bowie today, Alan Maitland at Hamilton and Roy McGregor at Ross County, they're all in favour of something permanent. But yet Aberdeen and Hearts want a sort of one season only quick fix, if you like, which would then revert back to the 12-10-10-10 next season. So as things stand tonight, I can't see one single proposal, be it 14-14-14 as Fraser's talking about, or a 14-10-10-10, or anything other roundabout mm. that will win enough votes 
for the league to be reconstructed. And I think Daz may get his wish. And when the next season kicks off, and, and please be it soon, we're back to a 12-10-10-10. Well, funny you mentioned the resumption of football. Because like we've been saying all night, there are three main things happening at the moment that we're trying to reflect tonight. This independent investigation, will we get another one? We've got reconstruction. and But also that how and when do we get our football back? Now, our joint response group has committed to that initial planning phase for the resumption of football by creating these new subgroups to support how we, we get things back up and running. Things like um, you know, player welfare, medical welfare, supporter welfare, broadcasting, regulations. There's one called Club and Stadium Operations, Fraser, and I noticed that you will sit on that subgroup. Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and I think certainly from our point of view, we've been in the sort of firing line, or not firing line, but we've been kind of talking a lot about um, playing behind closed doors and restarting football, and we've actually been working very closely with with FIFPRO, it's the World Players Union, Tony Higgins has been sort of representing us on that, and our lawyers as well, and coming up with a kind of strategy and criteria that we'd all want in place as, as players and players' representatives if we are to restart football and uh, whenever that is there's a lot to be, to be taken into consideration because I don't think we're going to go straight from zero to to being sort of corona by this free stadia you know so and and, and you know, but we may have to start the following season in uh, in September sometime if, if we're lucky behind closed doors so uh, it made sense for, for me to be on that group looking at how we restart football about health and safety about player welfare about uh, this will take also take cognizance of pre-season training and how long we need to be pre-season training. Our chairman, Liam Craig, was saying today in the media conference that he's actually not been in his dressing room for seven weeks now, which is longer than any time in his 17-year career. You know, And there's no sign of him going to be back to training in the near future. So we have to take cognizance of that, whereas players can go for a run and they're all doing this 5K challenge, etc. It's not the same as doing a proper pre-season training. So that's all we can take into consideration as well. So, so yes... We'll be part of that as, as PFA Scotland looking at that and making sure that that, that, uh, that our members' welfare is looked after because it's so important. We can't be putting anybody at danger. And I'll, and I'll just remind, remind people that Juventus played a game um, a month ago, six weeks ago maybe, behind closed doors against one of the Milan teams and one of the players on the bench actually had the coronavirus, was tested later and had it. So you can imagine what the implications of that may be if that was to be to be go into a dressing room or into an environment. We've also got to look at referees, members of staff, you know, safety officers, media if we're in there as well. So there's a lot of work to be done and this group will take care of, of, of that and making sure that the environment when we do start is, is, is safe and healthy. OK, Fraser, we'll bid you farewell for now. Hopefully speak to you soon. Thank you guys, enjoy the show Good man, that was Fraser Wishart And that takes us up nicely to this Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online Thescottishsun.co.uk slash football Very busy show, I can't believe it's that time already But if you fancy your chances tonight You want to get one over on Gordon DL Get the bragging rights, win the sign ball Now is your chance 0141 951 1025 And the lines close at 7 Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Your comeback is on Talktothompsons.com Gordon Diel's in the studio Roger Hanna is in his living room And uh, we've been talking all things Reconstruction and EGM Independent investigation Everything else that goes into that So if you've got thoughts to share We'd love to have them 01419511025 Let's do this first Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online thescottishsun.co.uk slash football 
beat the pundit time Gordon DL is in the hot seat because Roger Hanna's at home I just don't trust it you up for another another I'm battle a, yeah. I'm up Good for record. all yeah I've got a fantastic record thought you now. might say that you're up against Darren in Uddingston tonight hi Darren how you doing Gordon alright not too bad how are you mm. everything going okay uh, not too bad I, it's just Tough times though But need to get through it Absolutely And uh, we'll try and send you a sign I mean a sign ball With Gordon DL's signature And I don't know how much That would cheer someone up no. To be honest <coughs> No but balls leaving um, here tonight uh, You sure? All about no. the taking part no, All about the taking oh, part I like that Darren He's trying to lull you Into a false sense of security I think Right I'm going to give you Something else To listen to Gordon DL uh, I'll get rid of his mic as well Darren 30 seconds going on the clock up against Gordon And you can pass That's all you need to know If you don't know it Pass it quickly And move on to the next one Are you ready? Yep, no problem Let's do it Who's the Celtic assistant manager? Uh, John Kennedy Manuel Neuer Is the captain of which side? Bayern Munich Which Scottish side Are nicknamed the Steelmen? Motherwell Who scored St Mirren's Last competitive goal? Pass Who did Rangers sign Jamie Murphy from? Brighton Who did Hibs sign from Montpellier in 1999? Pass Who is the current manager of Dundee United? Uh, Robbie Nielsen Okay, let's see if we can bring Gordon back Gordon, can you hear us? Yeah, I can Same set of questions to you I'm just thinking, uh, mm. Roger Hanna This is the one week anniversary of Joe in Kirkintilloch well, at least Darren <laughs> managed to get through his seven questions without uh, many swearing, you. so we, we've progressed. Move on. Do you remember it? A week ago yeah, tonight? Yeah, I can. I, I, I'm still not over it. Now, every time if I've been out on my walk or, or someone phones, that's the first thing they mention. About Joe. About Joe swearing. You love Joe. Beat the Pundit. So well done to Darren for managing to refrain on that one. Let's give the same set of questions. Listen, Gordon, don't, Shut don't up, I'm the other swearing when he hears how well the first one's done tonight. I'll be swearing at you in a minute. Darren was decent. Oh no mm-hmm. Ready? Right go Same set of questions to you Yeah Time starts Now Who's the Celtic assistant manager? John Kennedy Manuel Neuer is the captain of which side? Bayern Munich Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Steel Men? Motherwell Who scored St Mirren's last competitive goal? Obika Who did Rangers sign Jamie Murphy from? Uh, Sheffield Wednesday Brain Who did Hibs sign from Montpellier in 1999? Pass who is the current manager of Dundee United? Robbie Nielsen. And what nationality is Hearts midfielder Loic Damour? He's Austrian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst guess I've ever had. Darren, what do you think? No, no, it's not. I think it could be close. I think it could be close. No, it's a great no, game. No, it was brilliant. No, it was a title. thriller. Uh, Who is the Celtic assistant manager? John Kennedy. You both got it. Manuel Neuer is the captain of Bayern Munich. You both got it. The Steelmen. Motherwell. You both got it. Three all after three questions. Who scored St Mirren's last competitive goal? Jonathan Obika. Gordon goes in front. Who did Rangers sign Jamie Murphy from? Brighton. Ah, I did say Brighton. Darren equalises. No, no, I said Brighton. Not before Sheffield Wednesday uh, But I'm sort of passing Sheffield Wednesday To get um, to Brighton And were you thinking Because he used to play For Sheffield Wednesday uh, But it was Brighton. actually Sheffield United He used to play for I'm not caring about so, that I did say Brighton Producer Dan No chance oh, come Shake on, of the head Dan, um, Who did Hibs sign From Montpellier In 99 Roger Le magnifique Franck Sauzet oh, 
Keep going Frank Sozzi to me <laughs> I had off the pronunciation The Rogers got in his locker And none of you got it Who's the current Dundee United manager Robbie Nielsen You both got it It's level oh, no. After seven What's questions What's the last question? You, got the, you get the last question what in was it? And Darren didn't What nationality oh, Is no, Hearts midfielder Loic Damour Why Austrian Just out of curiosity I don't know I just picked that Yeah uh, French That's so, near quite near also. Yeah, I think he's a Right, we're going to go to the tiebreaker. You don't even have a bit of paper, honestly. No, I was confident. Unprepared. Well mate. done, Darren. There you go. You got a pen? Obviously, <laughs> not a big question. <laughs> paper. I'm the worst tiebreaker in the world. Darren, yet. here's the deal on the tiebreaker. I'll read the question. I'll get Gordon to write his answer down, oh, no. and I'll then ask for your attempt. Okay. No problem. Right, the question's this: very simple. How many caps did Paul McStay get for Scotland? Write it down, please, Gordon. How many caps did Paul McStay get? For Scotland Hold up your paper Now Okay Darren what do you think uh, I'll go for 36 Okay uh, Gordon show me yours again I wrote down the wrong one Okay Gordon's gone 57 51 I went You should go 57 Darren's gone 36 <laughs> The answer Is 76 Oh Darren, believe me, there is nothing I hate more than watching Gordon Dio win a tiebreaker. I much prefer it when he sweats and makes an idiot of himself. Darren, I'll tell you what, you were the hardest I've played this year, mate. Any consolation I'll take to that you? Then. I'll take that. You go and take I'll her. You take don't that. need to hide under a bed. You you keep your head held high, mate. You done well there. You took on a good champ tonight. How patronising is he, Darren? No, Darren, Darren took on a good champ in forum just now. <laughs> Darren, thanks Darren, for taking yeah. part. We'll have you back anytime. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having us. He's the, he's the, he's the, say, Gordon, remember, remember decades used to be the bad thing for Daz in the quiz. Uh huh. And now appears to be nationalities. Yeah, yeah, panics. Loic Demur, Austrian. And can I just say, Daz, it's far from your worst ever guess. Your worst ever guess was what? when you were invited to say what nationality Beavis Mugabe is, <laughs> and you said Argentinian. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what he is. What is he? Was that no close? Ugandan. Well, that's not close Look Roger Can I just say Are there any signed balls Leaving this studio tonight? No Good We point. don't need you here mate I'll do Be the pundit You should do the rest <laughs> I actually think During these lockdown times We should Trawl through the archives And find what is Your worst guess of all time Because Beat the Pundit's got a few But the teasers Get some The Barry Bannon Go Barry up. Bannon And the teaser <laughs> Will live with me forever. Was that a Tuesday, Roger? Ah, oh, that was that yes. Was good. Yeah, and it was a, it was double-barreled names we were looking for or something. Or I said double-barreled, and he said Barry Bannon. Roger, Honestly. just to let you know, even on a Saturday night with all the snooker boys, the Higgins, and all out the world. Oh, his name dropping now. Okay. Yeah. On Zoom, I'm the champ there as well. I'm doing the lot. Funnily, you should mention that because we've decided to get in on the quizzing action Thursday night. Me, yeah. you, Wilson. Football quiz right here at this time on Thursday night. Brilliant. So everyone can listen. They can just take part with their pals, share it all in their group chats. We'll stream it live, I think, as well. Producer Dan's nodding um, on Facebook as well. I think we'll do that on Thursday. Uh, you up for uh, that? Is Wilson now taking on the, the rest? No, you against each other. Oh, oh I would say. You just keep it going, Gordon, until one of them gets a correct answer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, we are, as you know, at this time every night, we, we tend to speak to a footballer, a manager, a coach, see what. They've all been up to We sometimes like to Go a bit further afield We're going to speak to Chris Cadden Very soon The former Motherwell winger Now playing his trade In the MLS So we'll find out What life's like for them In the not too distant future Let's speak to Paul In Annie's land first though Hi Paul Hi guys How are you? Not bad How are you Paul? You okay? 
Yeah, safe and well. Hopefully, you guys are safe and well. Yep, not bad at all. Uh, My point tonight was actually with Mr. Hannah, Mm -hmm. which I do admire Mr. Hannah. He's one of the pundits out there. Actually talks some sense now and again. But last week, he said that it wouldn't be possible to do a 16-team league. And then the clip that you just played with, with Fraser Worship, he's just said the same thing. 16-team league, we have a chance through this pandemic to actually support the clubs and make the league beneficial for the clubs. Now, the four-game mandate for the old firm shouldn't just be for the old firm. You could roll that out across all the other teams. Now, ideally, I'd make it 16-16-16, promote four teams up from each division so nobody is missing out who should have been in the playoffs and uh, even from uh, the, the Lowland and Highland League clubs as well. So you want, just before we go any further, Paul, you want the SPFL to have 48 teams in it? Yeah. I mean, we've got 42 at the moment, Roger, and lots of people feel yeah. that that's already too many, but no, that's fine, carry on, Paul. But from there, what you could then do is, looking at the top flight, if you brought in Dundee and Dundee United... Guaranteed, there you go, you've got four derbies right there that they get massive crowds, 14,000 at Tanadice, 11,000 at Dens Park. You've got Mullerwell, Hamilton playing each other four times, guaranteed. And the way you do that is you set you, you play your, six, your 15 games to your 30 matches of the 16 teams in the league. And then you can either do it like a Champions League draw before or... During the season Once you've hit the peak And ideal From there You just do A couple of additional sides And you set those games As like the gold standard matches And from there You're actually giving Teams the chance To get fans through the door I think is it 43% just now Is the kind of In terms of income 43% of of income of clubs On average comes through the gate Why don't we strive To get that to 50 Roger well, well, listen. It's an interesting point. It's not. It's not the daftest point I've heard either, Paul. Looking at if you look at the NFL in the states, those there's thirty two teams there, and they're broken down into eight conferences of four, and they don't play each other every season. The the teams in the small conferences will play each other home and away, and then they sort of take turns over seasons that that playing the other teams in the AFC and the NFC. Um, in terms of Scottish football, though, Scottish football, as we keep saying, is dictated to by money. Where does money come from? It comes from the broadcasters and it comes from commercial partners and, and merchandising agreements. And this isn't coming from me, this is coming from the people who, who run the game. Those broadcast partners, commercial partners, merchandising partners are only keen on a league structure which guarantees four old firm games for TV because they are, you know, the real gold standard games. In terms of the broadcasters saying this, not me, they're the games they can sell down south, the games they can sell around the world. So they want something that guarantees four of them. And if it's a 16-team league and there is an expectancy that all the teams will play each other home and away once, and then it would go to a split the teams in the top half would play each other home and away once again, you know, again, and the bottom half would play each other home and away again to get to the fixtures. The sort of perceived wisdom, if you like, is 
a 16 is too big. That was Fraser's meaning. You would need to play, let me get this right, you'd have 30 games before the split and then potentially 14 after. It takes you back to 44 games, which is, as Fraser said, what they used to do 20, 20 odd years ago. But I think now, with so much international football, so much club continental football, you've got the Scottish Cup, you've got the Betfred Cup, which has group games in it now. The lower league teams have got Challenge Cup games as well. I think they want a league structure that's going to give you no more than 38 games for the top teams and no more than 40 games for the lower leagues. Certainly, certainly. Sorry, Gordon, certainly not for me. Uh, I'm quite happy with suggestions and try to get a way forward and new, you know, new ideas out there. But 16 top league never worked for me. I don't think there's enough quality for it. I don't think there's enough appetite for it. Um, the caller said there at 16, 16 Amongst 15. who though? Do you mean just just to clarify yeah, that? Because that, I think a lot of fans would actually do like you? it. I don't. Not not no, And I, I don't have I don't have a number in mind. I wouldn't say that yeah. they all want. It, but I, I feel like there would be a certain level of appetite for it well, amongst fans. I, I think that at the beginning you would say, yeah, okay, we're excited with sixteen, and there's a lot of different teams coming. You're play by the time you get to the, the February, I think there'll be a hmm. lot of meaningless games, and, and I I don't buy into all this. Well, we can blood in some young players if you're good enough nowadays in football clubs. Young players get their chance; they get their opportunity. You go, you go through every club; their young players coming hmm. through all the time. Uh, you would need to then find he's now up to 48 teams. You'd need to find another six. The quality for that would be poor. We we have got a terrific deal with Sky because our product there now is good. To go to 16, mm. it's certainly not for me, but maybe for other people. Paul, maybe you can win him over in time. Thank you very much. That was Paul in Annie's Land. A great full-time teaser for you tonight. Tricky one. And we're going to be joined live in the show uh, by former Motherwell winger Chris Cadden, now playing in the MLS. So let's find out a bit about what life's like over there for footballers at the moment. We'll do that next. Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Helping you return to action. Talk to thompsons.com. Gordon DL and Roger Hanna here with me Gordon Duncan on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard every night during this lockdown we've been checking in on various footballers up and down the country and beyond seeing what they've been up to what the future holds and all the rest of it we're going to cast our net a bit wider tonight we're going to go to the MLS after I give you this teaser very quickly uh, it's your old pal John Smith he's been in touch with a question and he says listen carefully because I know you're going to ask me to repeat this five times right okay 12 men Who've managed in Scotland's top flight since 1990 mm-hmm. And have also played for a London-based club Currently in the English Premier League uh, Alan stopped 12 men who've managed in Scotland's top flight since 1990 And also played for a London-based club currently in the Premier League Which London-based club has oh. Alan Stubbs played for? <laughs> no, <laughs> I forgot the London Oh, uh, Richard Goff, Livingston, Tottenham well done Yeah, Not as daft as you look There we go Richard Why Goff uh, Roger I'll take one from you To kick us off Oh you might be lucky um, But a London based team In the Prem just now Come on Roger I'll, I'll need a couple of minutes To get okay. my head round this one Okay I'll give you some thinking time You can play along with us On Twitter 12 men who've managed In Scotland's top flight Since 1990 And also played for a London based club Currently In the English Premier League well, let me give it. Oh, hurry up. The Morton manager, David Hopkins. No. What London based club has he played for? He's played with Chelsea. Palace. 
Palace uh, Hasn't Has he Has he He's not managed in Scotland's top flight though Oh that was a great guess yeah, There we go well, Right I was, I was applauding you there Nah oh. he's not He left Livy just before Well he got them promoted didn't he And then left Oh, should we do it? Oh. There we go. Time anyway, I'll give you some thinking time. I'm pleased to say we are now joined on the line uh, by Chris Cadden, former Motherwell winger, now playing his trade out in the MLS with Columbus Crew. Chris, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Good? Yeah, not too bad at all, Chris. We've been checking in with various players up and down the country and further afield, just seeing what what life's been like for them, ultimately. What's it like over in, in the MLS? Have you been... Out of action for a similar length of time as as we have, and and what's been going on in that period? Yeah, so I think we're just I think we've been six weeks out um, from training and things like that, and maybe, maybe seven since the since the last game. So that's that's a long time, you know what I mean? So I've been I mean trying to keep myself sane, keep myself busy, but it's it's difficult. It's difficult to hear yourself. Yeah, I was going to say we we tend to have a sort of a laugh and joke about it, but but seriously, these are. Difficult times for for everyone, even people who are in their their sort of normal surroundings. If you like, you know, you've just gone over there, made the move. You're pretty much on on your Todd. Is it has it been tough? Yeah, it's been it has been tough. But listen, the club's been great with me. They've been they they've on Zoom calls, things like that. I'm I'm speaking to all the boys over here, and they've been great. I mean, they know that I'm out here myself as well, so they've been contacting me, FaceTime, a big one as well. So. It's been it's nah, it's been it's been difficult, but it's it's been it's been fine. I'm getting really good at PS4, so things like that. You know what I mean? I'm keeping myself busy. And what what sort of restrictions are in, in place for for you? you? You know fine well what what we and your family and, and friends. What about you? What are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? Is it similar? Yeah, it's pretty similar, but I don't think it's as um, well because I'm in in Ohio. It's it's, I think what they're doing here is just state by state because obviously America's America's so big. Mm-hmm. For example, New York, I think they're they're complete lockdown, can't leave the house. But Ohio, you can still leave the house as many times as you want, but just there's nothing to do, there's nothing open, so there's nowhere really to go apart from maybe the park or whatever, or go down do a run, things like that. So it's it's not as strict and like Ohio's not been hit and Columbus has not been hit as bad as as other places um, have been, but. It's still still pretty, pretty it's still pretty strict as well. Like nothing's nothing's been open for nothing's been open for about five weeks now. So it's been it's been like that. Yeah, and of course this would have come, I would imagine, pretty soon after um your your debut. You you can't have managed to squeeze in much football, did you? No, I've played two games. So we played New York at home, made my debut and then we played Seattle away and then that was me. So it's <laughs> It's a big, big exciting time for me. A big opportunity out here, and it's just been, just been hitting the head. So that's that's probably the most frustrating thing. And as well, just sort of not knowing, just not knowing when it's going to end. Like you're looking for answers that nobody, nobody knows the answers to. So it's just that's the thing I've struggled with the most. Is sort of like you don't know when it's going to get back. I know football's not the, not the most important mm-hmm. thing, and life's at stake here. But you miss it, don't you? Yeah, that that is the thing. We well, we don't know either. But what we do have is that sort of June the tenth, where that's you know best case scenario start back. If, if you had any sort of date set by the league or by the club, yeah, there's this dates not set by the league, but it, keep, it just keeps getting pushed back and back. So we've got a date set just now, and actually our club is just we got on a phone call yesterday, Monday, aye, Monday, losing track of days. Um, we got a phone call yesterday, and it's. Um, they did. They basically said, "Look, because they've been giving us like uh, training programs, things like that." But 
they've just sort of said to, to take sort of two weeks sort of maybe off time and just sort of to chill a bit because we can't just keep pushing hard for no end date and no don't really know when it's going to be. So they've sort of just said to us just to chill for two weeks and then and sort of mentally recover. Yeah, Roger Hanna, I know um, you'll be keen to, to have a word with Chris as well from from the living room. Yes, I, I mean, it's obviously a huge step over there. There are lots of Scots there. I mean, when, when you went over to the States in the first place, Chris, what did you think about, you know, your, your Scotland chances going forward? You've got a couple of caps. You've obviously got more international aspirations. You've seen the likes of Johnny Russell get capped over there. Do you feel that Steve Clark, once football gets going again, will still be keeping an eye on you in terms of squads going forward? Yeah, I'd like think so. That's, that's one of my... That is my dream is to play with Scotland. That's what I've sort of been brought up as sort of the pinnacle of your career is is playing your country, and I'd I'd want nothing more. And I'd never I'd never ever take a step in my career that would that would harm their chances. And it's great to see Johnny Russell out here. He's he's done so well out here, and he's and he's getting he's getting he more caps now, and more starts now than he's than he's ever had when he was um, or whatever. So it's it's great to see that, and that's. That's one of that's one of the reasons why I came out here as well. Because if, if if he's looking over at Johnny, he's looking at him over here. Then then why can't why can't he look at me? It's because that's that's one thing I always want to do. You always want to play your country, and you always you always want to do that. And I'd never ever take a step in my career that would ever harm the chances. And as well as if you look at the games out here, it's a it's a good standard, and the league's going up and up. And even you come into training, you see the standard of players and the players that are out here. It's it's real real top quality. And there's lots of lads there as well, you know, Dan, look at Danny Wilson, Sam Nicholson, other guys. D- did you speak to any of these guys before you committed to going over? Yeah, so I, I spoke to I spoke to Johnny and Sam about it, because I know them from sort of national, the national team set up, and, and they, they they absolutely loved it. They they were they, one of the ones that convinced me to come over and, and, and things like that. They, they absolutely they absolutely loved it. So I spoke to them, sort of done my homework, because it was always a big, it took a bit of, it was a big step. It took a lot of thinking, a lot of time sitting down thinking about it and weighing up the pros and cons. But they speaking to them and, and knowing how much they love it is was a real, real bonus for me and, and they helped me with my decision. Yeah, big Motherwell fans like Gordon DL in the studio, Chris, or, or anyone else that, that that's watched you playing against their team will remember you as being that sort of winger up and down. I, I noticed when you you went to Oxford for a spell, maybe pushed a bit further back at times. What, what what's the future? Are you are you been Told to play a bit further back these days at right back, or are you still in, still got attacking on your mind? I'm a, I'm a full back now, Gordon. Believe it or not, <laughs> uh, that's my official number two jersey. So, I'm, um, uh, yeah, that's where I sort of see myself playing. It's um, I played there at Oxford, and um, Carl Robinson uh, liked me there, and and speaking to the the gaffer out here as well. That's where he sort of sees me playing. So he's given me the number two jersey. So that's. That's it, official kind of way. Well, what's the thinking behind that then? What did Carol Robinson do? What, what's your own sort of thought as to why that that's the future for you? Because you've still got a long career ahead of you, of course. Yeah, it's, so he, he had a good, good conversation with me. And even even um, uh, Robinson, the Mulga, he spoke to me about it sometimes. He played me there as well. I don't know, just sort of my attributes, maybe of getting up and down the park and things like that. Sort of his best there, um, just to be an attacking fullback. And, and every time when I've played there I've, I've enjoyed it and I feel as if that's maybe where my attributes um, are best served and yeah I've enjoyed it I enjoyed my time also playing there I played there every game I played was at right back and I, I really enjoyed it and was, and was playing well so yeah it's just 
just sort of mentally got round it, and I'm I'm enjoying it now. See, I like that. It just take, sort of takes it on the chin, realizes it's for the best. I'm trying to imagine if someone had said to you, Gordon, listen, see that the goal scoring and, and getting all the credit and the the glory want you to move a bit further back. I just I wonder how you would have well, taken it. Well, that'd be a bit silly taking away 35 goals a season. <laughs> uh, all Chris has really achieved is he's moved 10 yards further back in the, in the pitch. Uh, so I, I've always said I thought he was a wing back. Um, well, have you, you taking credit I'm for this? I'm taking credit yeah, okay. for it, yes And I'm delighted <laughs> that he's enjoying his new role But to put me further back, Gordon, would just be <laughs> you, you get the sack for that Roger, do you know what's funny? Someone tweeted and I, I, Apologies, I can't remember who it was Someone tweeted me a video of, of Gordon scoring twice at Capelo for Wraith And as I was watching it, I realised I've never even seen him run And that, that's what jumped out at me from the video Because he's one of these Guys that doesn't even like playing football Wouldn't entertain a game of fives Charity games All the rest of it Not interested I'm too young to remember him playing And I realised that yesterday For the first time Roger I actually saw him run Really? Yeah first time the 10p off club biscuits yeah. in Asda <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of guys and, in uh, football clubs Still waiting to see me run It's all about movement I was just going to ask Chris Gordon From a family point of view It must be strange being so far away From your twin brother Nicky One of the last games I did for Super Scoreboard Before lockdown Was Morton winning against Queen of the South Down at Dumfries He was scoring goals He was man of the match The lockdown here has been a bad time for him as well Ah no It's a, it's a nightmare time for Nicky He just got He just got championship player of the month And he was He was flying this season He's if you look at his stats and his assists, he's, he's proper putting in good numbers as well, and he's and he's coming into his own. And also the 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 gaffer there at Martin, David Hopkins, he he had him at Livy. He and he knows how to get the, the best out of him. He's he was absolutely flying, and then um, yeah, it was just a nightmare time for him to sort of to end because he was in real real top form, probably the best of his career actually. And, and he's I know he's frustrated with it as well and obviously with that league ending. So that's it sort of um that's it done. But no, he was he has been flying and it's it's been great to see. I don't want to turn Clyde One Super Scoreboard into the Jeremy Kyle show too much, but this must be the longest you've ever been apart from, from your twin. That must be a bit weird. I know, I know that's the thing as well. Like my mum was had planned to come out uh, two weeks ago. She obviously I get cancelled. My girlfriend's meant to come out, I get cancelled, so I don't know when my, my brother's meant to come out The full month of May Pretty much Just as a sort of holiday They had time off He's just got to spend out here with me But It's uh, obviously that's it's, it's, We don't know when When people will be able to go out Or when international travel And Obviously I look to Look to coming home But The league's advised No international travel For um, For players Obviously for safety mm-hmm. reasons And things like that So They've told me to stay put And Yeah it's just I don't know when You'll, you'll see You'll see people next is, is a, is a crazy thought, really. Chris, good man. Thanks a lot for yeah, joining us. Oh, sorry, Roger's got yeah, more on right. his mind. I was just going to give you one oh, last sorry. question before you went. You won't know this because you were always playing for Motherwell on a Saturday afternoon. But anytime you scored a goal or Nicky scored a goal, and and Hugh Keevans or Gordon mentioned it, Hugh Keevans always said, "I used to work with those boys' mother." You know, <laughs> your mum must have told you stories growing up about Hugh Keevans, no? <laughs> No, she's no mention of I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I don't think it'd have been me scoring if I'm honest, it probably would have been Nicky. I think that speaks volumes. <laughs> probably the stories that you can't repeat. Thanks again to Chris Carden for joining us all the way from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, just giving us a bit of an update into to what life's like. Gordon, you've been moaning to me moaning non stop but and rightly so, these are tough times and I'm here for you. I, I respect uh-huh. that you know that things are tough and 
And you, you know you've said that it's been quite a struggle this lockdown, and you're on your own and, and struggling at different times. <laughs> Made me feel better. I just I just wonder how how you would manage so far from home. Oh, I'd, I'd be a nightmare, gone. No um, club biscuits. Oh, no, absolutely nightmare. It's the only fortunate thing that I'm in my hometown. I'm quite happy. I've, I can get out a cycle and get a bit of exercise. You know, I pass your house sometimes and give you a wee wave. Just make sure you're mm. okay. Um, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't like to be. Abroad just now I just I would be oh, Terrible <laughs> I shouldn't laugh Because it's obviously Very serious But I'm just trying to imagine How you would cope And the answer is I wouldn't Not well at all Roger By abroad He means Hamilton <laughs> That's how bad things are Over the motorway <laughs> Right Before we take another call Let's revisit tonight's teaser I'm expecting A bit of progress from Roger Now that he's he's got his teeth into it Name the 12 men Who've managed in Scotland's Top flight since 1990 and have also played for a London-based club currently in the English Premier League. I should say, um, John Smith feels very strongly about this. He's got note: Watford is not in London. So oh, because John Barnes. Then. So he wants to get rid of, of John Watford. Barnes. Um, what have you got, what Roger? About Liam Brady. Brilliant. Yes. Steve Liam Clark. Brady. Steve Clark. Yes. Given that way, what Roger gave that way. Well, here's a Raymond Stewart by any chance? No. Steve Lomas St Johnson West Ham Yes What about Alec Dyer Did he play for Palace oh, He did Well Roger. done Right we'll leave it there That's excellent start Liam Brady Steve Clark, Alec Dyer Richard Goff And Steve Lomas Let's take a call from Scott In Alloa Hi Scott How you doing mate Not bad How are you You okay Good lad I, no, no, no bad Too bad Yourself not too bad What are your thoughts Scott Are you a Sterling fan Or are you in Sterling I'm a Sterling Albion fan Right got you yeah. So what, what are your thoughts On this reconstruction business um, We went from League to league to league it's So many numbers being, being mixed up But do you not think That now um, It's going to be like a, I don't know how, how do we say it Like a total farce <laughs> In what way In a way is We had A construction that was good Right just now, with Sky Sports paying money in, paying money in, paying money in, mm -hmm. okay? But we now go to the league and Rangers have came up and said, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this, we can prove this. What's the thoughts on the panels of a league reconstruction? Yeah, well, two different issues but, there. But, but, but if Rangers have, have no evidence, right, then they wouldn't be pursuing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what the guys I think agree with you, and that's Scott. Um, but what Scott's call sums up, Roger, is the fact that we we do have two or three, maybe even more massive issues at the moment, um, sort of trying to to coexist. Yeah, we do, and I think that was part of the the drive this afternoon by the SPFL board when they put this statement out, just saying that you know if the vote on the twelfth goes against the requisition as Rangers Hearthstone are. Please let this draw because there are other, in the eyes of the SPFL board, more important issues to push forward with. League reconstruction is one, but whatever form the leagues take when, when we kick off, it's important there's a structure, there's a plan in place for this big kickoff. As Fraser Wisher touched upon earlier on, we're not just going to flick a switch one day and go from the position we're in now in lockdown to 60,000 people at Celtic Park and 50,000 people at Ibrox. The coronavirus has changed society forever and it's changed Scottish football forever. There are lots of challenges ahead in the short term, the medium term and the long term. And I think the people at the SPFL would like to 
look forward to tackling those issues one at a time rather than looking back at an issue that they believe should be put to bed. But as I said at the top of the show, the requisitioners have every right to pursue a second independent inquiry. If the vote goes their way on the 12th of May, we will have a second independent inquiry. And whether the SPFL like it or not, that's just another issue they're going to have to deal with as they tackle the other ones going forward. A very, very busy, challenging time for our game. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think Roger's just covered every bit of the ground. Oh, great, that's fine. We should so move on we then. Move on, right? Yeah. Okay. You know what? I disagree. No, no, oh, no I think you're right. Uh, Scott, what about the the leagues then and the the makeup of them? You're, are you listening to what you're saying? Are you happy to just leave it as is? How does that leave, you know, Hearts and Partick Thistle and Stranraer? What would you do to solve it all? I mean, what I would like to say is, have, have these payments been made to the clubs already that yeah. have like? Have have the payments been made like from the SPFL yeah, to, to the lower clubs? To lower league clubs, yes. Right, so they're going to vote to the voters got the money. Yeah, as far as I know, Roger. Right. Yeah. After yeah, that, the money so was they put put in a all, week already. Past the day. Right, so they've voted. They voted before not having money, mm-hmm. but now they have the money. Yes. Yeah. So could that vote be more technically challenged by having the money before they had had the money? Oh, I don't know, Roger. We're talking about self-interest here. A lot of the teams in those lower three leagues would vote simply in order to get the money, Scott, because the financial predicament they were in was so severe. They just needed income from wherever they could get it, and the most <clears throat> pardon me, the most obvious avenue at that stage was the prize money that was being dangled in front of them by the SPFL, and they took that money for no other reason than if they hadn't taken the money, they might not survive to kick off next season. What are your thoughts on a potential end game here, Roger? And I'm I'm going to have the cheek to ask you to just answer this in like sixty seconds, which is impossible. But I'd love to see you try. So, the requisitioners have have their aim. Say that does so, well. A couple of options. First of all, say say we say we don't get an independent investigation. The clubs the clubs don't go for it. Or alternatively, uh, they do go for it. Um, and it, it it may find some wrongdoing on the part of the SPFL. It might not. But but ultimately, by by that stage, Roger. What's the what's the end game? Do, do, do we go do we go back? Can you reverse the the original resolution to call the lower leagues? Because if we can't restart it, what, what else is it that we're doing? What, what else is it that, that people are hoping for? Um, uh, uh, listen, that's the sixty four million dollar question. Could we reverse the resolution that was given? I very much doubt it because the the checks have been sent out. The clubs have probably stuck them in the bank already. Um, Dundee United, Wraith Rovers, Cove Rangers have been crowned champions They have been promoted um, Although league reconstruction could obviously alter where some of them have been promoted to um, So I don't think that process can necessarily be reversed I think what the requisitioners want is our answers to some of the questions Specifically to the seven questions that Rangers asked again in their statement on Friday night They feel the scope of the initial Deloitte inquiry was too narrow. It hasn't satisfied them that all of the questions they want answers to have been answered. And they want, and they're quite clear what they want, they want answers to these seven points in the statement from the other night. And it's now down to Rangers to show their evidence to the other clubs. They've won a date for the EGM two weeks today, 12th of May. They now need to show the other clubs why they are so keen on a second independent investigation. And if there is one, 
we have no idea what it will find. Therefore, we have no idea what the the repercussions yeah. of that may or may not be. Um, I don't think we've heard the end of this by a long chalk. Okay, any more on the teaser, Gordon? I saw you punching the air. I'm assuming it was teaser related. Uh, yeah, I think Roger will be very impressed with this. <laughs> right, okay. Colin Calderwood. Brilliant. Spurs, and, and I've got another one. Go for it. Over the other side of the city, he was with Jim Duffy, Graham Ricks, Arsenal. He's... Yes. Now, Rod- I, I don't know if George Burley played uh, in no. London. Roger. Now, there's a couple I was thinking, I'm not sure, they both started their career at Tottenham, but I don't know whether they played any games. Stephen Robinson? Yes. Oh, I never got that. And Graham Sunnis? Brilliant. Three to get, we'll get them next. The Full Time Teaser, with today's Scottish Sun free goals pullout, plus the voice of Sun Sport, Bill Leckie. Okay, we're into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Gordon DL is in the studio, Roger Hanna's in his living room, and they're going to have to come together on tonight's teaser. John Smith has sent it in. He's looking for 12, did I say? 12 men who've managed in Scotland's top flight since 1990, but also played for a London-based club currently in the English Premier League. And this is the bit where some people are falling down on Twitter. St Anthony's FC have gone for John Collins at Fulham, but they're not... In the top flight uh, James Patterson's got a couple of good guesses uh, John Paul has gone for Paul Hartley Managed Dundee Played for Millwall But they're not in the top flight either Gordon did you get any? No I'm struggling Roger did you get any? David Hay Yes Shows you're working on that one Chelsea Played for Chelsea mm-hmm. Managed Livingston And St Mirren Well done You've only got two to get So we'll leave it there You've got about Just under ten minutes left to try and get them Let's speak to Peter in Possel Park Hi Peter Hi Gordon Hi Roger Hi Gordon Hi Peter safe guys Yep doing not too uh, bad uh, Really guys Obviously It's obviously what's going on in the Between <coughs> Den House fighting If you want to call it that way Obviously One of the bigger clubs in the country And obviously The, the board of SPFL My My concern is Is it stolen tactics from them? For saving the SPFL award in Celtic uh, with champions, or is it more sinister for them? I.e., is it karma because of what happened to their own club in 2012? I just feel it's all petty squabbles, unless they really have got proof. But surely, without that, then if Anne Budge is involved, she sits in the SPFL board, she would know if there's any wrongdoing, she not? No, she's not so, on the SPFL board. Um, but what she, what she, right. what she has done is obviously backed. Rangers calls for an independent investigation Seemingly without knowing the exact details of the evidence, Roger So that's a legitimate question uh, But she's not on the SPFL board at the moment No, she's not you know, She served on it for a period of time I think usually, you know, they serve on for a couple of years And step down and let somebody else go on it um, No, she spoke at the weekend um, I think she fully believes the Rangers When they say they have got some kind of evidence there She's willing to believe that She's willing to back them in terms of uh, the members' resolution that, uh, that was agreed at the weekend there. Um, she now wants to see this evidence. I think the Rangers will have to show it, not just to Anne Budge, not just to Swindrad, but to all the clubs prior to this meeting in May the 12th. So because they require, I think it's 32 of the 42 mm-hmm. clubs need to vote for this for there to be a second independent investigation. I've absolutely no reason to disbelieve Rangers. Um, I can't think they would go this far down the road if they didn't have... 
um, quite considerable body of evidence behind them that they're going to use and they're going to show the clubs. Um, and Budgie's keen to see it. I think we're all keen to see it. The, the good thing is, Peter, we're not going to have to wait too long to find out all about it. I know, Roger. I just, I just to say, I mean, there's bigger things happening in, in the country at the moment, mate. I mean, nah, I mean, me personally. I know, I wouldn't like it, obviously. I'd love the football to be played, which I miss going on a Saturday, right? Or a Wednesday, whatever it is. But with what's going on just now, I can't see football getting played anytime soon. So the bigger picture is for the SPFL, SSA, and other parties to try and get run it. The table together, if they can, obviously, I know, you know what I mean, and try and figure out a way forward for this. I mean, Matt, I actually feel worse that I can't see my son play football on a Sunday morning and see him training on a Monday and a Friday. That, that's me. I know he needs just now than uh, going to see my beloved Celtic. So, all this just seems, to me, it just seems, guys, as I say, I, I could be wrong. And I mean, I've heard news because I mean, we've been told over the years as Celtic fans, we're paranoid to be things are done in this country, so I think just have got evidence first way and if it changes the state of Scott, changes the, the process of Scottish football, then fair enough, but I just feel personally, and I don't support, we just feel like stalling tactics and obviously because obviously it's going equal to nine in a row again, and this is all because to me, I think Rangers really want an Alan Boyd, they don't really want Celtic to get announced champions. No, I'd be surprised if it was stalling tactics. Um, I'm with you. I think we've got to move on. I think that obviously Rangers do have to produce this evidence that they're saying they've got, and then it's up to their teams to see what their opinion is of it. Uh, if there's wrongdoing in there, we've got to find it. We've got to work out. We've got to get a solution. We've got to draw a line under it before we can move on to start looking at what we're going to do in the future for Scottish football. I mean, Roger... There's a, the process is, has annoyed people Rangers chief among them Don't believe it was administered properly That vote In terms of Of the football argument If you, if you like and, and where we're at How does this end? Because people were Accusing the SPFL of sort of rushing in And trying to force clubs to End the season early you know, That was the sort of accusation But you know the Netherlands have ended their season Belgium have ended their season France have ended their season So ending of the season Can't really be seen as controversial anymore Now there's a bit of detail within that Do we do what Belgium did? Do we name Celtic champions as we did uh, As they did Bruges? Or do you take the Dutch approach And have no relegation And no champion Which by the way leads to its own problems as well I noticed there are various clubs Threatening legal action over there Over this as well So what about the, the, the football End game away from this vote. Well, the football end game is uncertain um, for no other reason than no one knows when we can emerge from this coronavirus pandemic. Um, the coronavirus, you would think, if you listen to the show, only affects Scottish football. It doesn't. It affects the world. Um, French football's off. Dutch football's off. Belgian football is off. Um, no one knows when we'll get a kick off again. Um, we can only hope it's soon I would tend to think, you listen to the medical advice today and what other countries are doing I would think it might be as far away as September and given we're not yet at the 1st of May, that's an awful long time to wait for a game of football but if it saves lives it is certainly worth the wait um, what football will resemble in Scotland by the 1st of September we don't know and I don't just mean that in terms of the structure of the league um, I would like to hope we've got 42 senior clubs that waits to be seen 
um, and we don't know what financial state even the biggest clubs are going to be in. So at the minute, we can only tackle one issue at a time. The issue that the requisitioners, Rangers, House and Sudan want to tackle is the issue of a second independent inquiry. Other clubs want to tackle this issue of reconstruction and the SPFL board want to look beyond that along with the joint response group to try and plot a path to when we can see a football kicked again. So there are twists within twists here if you like Gordon. Unfortunately I think it'll be a while before we mm. see football played. I mean Chris is on Twitter Gordon to say we should have a playoff for the title. The top four play a two-legged semi, the two winners play a one-off game at hand and winner takes the title. This can be replicated for relegation. It gives us a fair conclusion, also fulfilling TV demands. <laughs> I don't know how we work that out, Gordon. I think everybody wants it played out to a finish. There's no doubt, but Rogers just said there for five minutes, uh, we're going to find it very difficult to get football played, uh, whether that's in front of small crowds or behind closed doors. And we're now talking in September, so uh, just now, as I say, I always wake up every morning with a little bit of hope. And I always hope that we can get it finished, but it doesn't seem that way, Gordon. But things, stranger things have happened. Let's keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. Plan for the worst and hope for the best. Was that you who coined that phrase yes. the other night? Yeah, I said I liked it. Uh, Peter and Postle Park, thanks a lot. That will be the final call of the evening. I think it takes us pretty much up to the end of the show with just enough time to round off this teaser. So John Smith says, can you name 12 men who've managed in Scotland's top flight since 1990 and have also played for a London-based club currently in the English Premier League? Liam Brady, Colin Calderwood, Steve Clark, Alex Dyer, Richard Goff, Davy Hay, Steve Lomas, Graham Ricks, Stephen Robinson, Graham Soonis. Two to go. Roger. Before we go any further, I know this isn't a GBX, but can I do a very quick shout out to a Parliament, a regular oh, listener, for it, Ronnie man. Campbell down in there. He's on the mend from the coronavirus. I'm speaking to his brother Raymond, who's another regular listener to the show. They never miss the show. Ronnie, get well soon. I'm delighted to hear you get over the worst of it. Well said. Yeah. On behalf of us all, uh, Ronnie, hopefully you get well soon. Roger, on you go. Ivano Benetti, Crystal Palace, Dundee manager. Ah, we've never got that. Brilliant. Well done. Brian Rice ever play London nope. clubs? He was down at Forest, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, but I thought he maybe had just went down further south just for a couple of weeks. Just out of curiosity, did you listen to last night's show? No. I listened to a bit of it. Now, these teasers are sent in at various times by different people, and I'll pretty much pick them at random. I'll have Mm -hmm. a think about what pundits are on. And somehow, completely coincidentally, he was the last remaining answer on last night's teaser as well, which was about something completely different. We've got a better chance if you give us that question Okay well last night's question Revolved around the fact that he won player of the year up here Whilst playing for Airdrie In the mid 80s No He went on to be a manager and a coach And his son Plays at the moment Sandy Clark? Yes West Ham West Ham Brilliant Sandy Clark well done, Dad. Thank you very much Roger Hanna and Gordon Dale Thank you for all your calls and tweets Another busy show So apologies if you couldn't get through But we're back tomorrow at 6 With Mark Weedy and Jim Duffy And Callum Gallagher is up next The Full Time Teaser With Sunday's Scottish Sun Free Goals Pullout Plus Davy Proven's Frank and Fearless Column.